Welcome to Tender Subject, the only cannibalism podcast that has all the ingredients for your bourgeois frittata. Hell yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. I'm Kate. My pronouns are she, her, or they, them, and I'm an artist in South Philadelphia. And I am Jay. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I am a music librarian in Boston. And to start off the new year, we have a guest. Hello, guest. Please introduce yourself. Yay. What's up? I'm Dave Marr. <laughs> I um, I live in Chicago. I'm a comedian. I host a podcast called This Is Your Afterlife. Yeah, that's I love this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You picked the movie. You I did. did. Yeah. What's the movie? Flux Gourmet. I don't May. know. Flux Gourmet <laughs> 2022. Yeah. yeah. Not like yeah. we all watch it. Yeah. By Peter, directed by Peter Strickland. So good. This is my third, third watch. Yeah. 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 And he also did um, In Fabric, which I have not seen, but uh, Horror Vanguard is a really good episode on it that yeah. made me really want to watch it. Um, and I also didn't realize he did Duke of Burgundy, apparently, which, I you know. Duke of Burgundy either. I have it's seen so it's, it's a Marion Sound Studio and In uh-huh. Fabric. And In Fabric yeah. is my second favorite. Um, is this your favorite? Yeah, dude. This is like one Hell of my yeah. favorite recent movies. Period. Uh, All I right. love it. I really love it. I'm very excited to talk to other fucking yeah. freaks about it. Fucking yeah. freaks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So first, though, we have to talk about the Pop-Tart. Mm-hmm. We the, have to. Yeah. It's in our contract. I, I, it is in our contract. It was, um, it was sent to me probably like 50 times, and everyone was like, have you seen this? Um, so You guys are Pop-Tart, sponsored by the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. yeah. That's a big, yeah. Co- well, like, a big college football podcast. They're like, yeah, oh, we're doing a cannibalism God. bit, so we might as well have the cannibalism podcast talk about us. I was like, I don't know what this is for. I it took me a really long time to even check out like what it was for, but <laughs> it's just, just a random the, the Pop Tarts Bowl, which is a college football bowl, and it was in Orlando. See the. Do you Sports. like that? You're like Sports. sounding out college football college as if it's a new concept to football you. Football bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't care about that part, but I do care that they sacrif- ritually sacrificed a um, an extremely willing participant in the form of a giant Pop-Tart who was um, cooked and eaten by the players before the game which you know i i think that should happen all the time right there should be more cannibalism in sports you know yeah and it's so (laughs) it's like so wild because it's so it's so it was so like catholic ritual i don't know it just felt very like um it's that like familiar but defamiliarized sort of this is my body yeah where you're like i'm eating the body of um the pop tart yeah what's being transubstantiated me... by which is bread <laughs> can you uh, do transubstantiation with a pop tart i'm I mean... a filthy protestant and i wouldn't know <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know if any like priests were involved. I wish they were, because that would be even cooler. But they probably had to consult with one to make sure they weren't doing a blasphemy too hard that it would like turn off like you think? viewers. You know, I gotta probably. say, I don't think the Pop Tarts people consulted a priest with regards to this. Bit. <laughs> you don't think so? I would. I, don't think, I think zero priests were involved. Zero priests. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's just yeah. There would have been blood if there was. I don't know. It just went straight into transubstantiation to me. But like, I'm sure that's not what the players were thinking as they were digging into the life size pop tart that like probably is a cake. Like came out as a cake, which is kind of disappointing. I think it should have been a really giant like pastry. But and as someone who just saw this, I can't emphasize enough like (laughs) how strange it is to try to imagine just from hearing what's happening. Like I really right. encourage folks to like YouTube this. Yeah. Watch very... this video. Yeah. 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 But I think the the part about it that is like the most um, was like the most exciting to me was like how extremely willing this pop tart was. Like they had a sign that said like dreams really do come true. And then the pop tart coming out is like, baked and being eaten but still sort of smiling in a like wide like wild wall-eyed way (laughs) like yeah just pretty happy about the whole situation i think the part that gets me every time is like so it's got like the mascot hands right where it's like it's a giant square so it's only his basically his like wrists that stick out (laughs) his little wave and he's holding a sign and so his little like shoink like little toss he does of his sign as he's going into the toaster to be cooked. Yes. It's me every time. He's just like, Yoink, and then throws it and like gives a little wave as he goes down. And he's like, see, ya, I'm going to get eaten. Yay. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, I brought this up to a friend recently there. I'm, I'm old and I was raised by hippies. So I listened to free to be you and me when I was a kid, which is like this, like, record that all these like kind of like hippie musicians and it's like it's not the same but it feels kind of like sesame street adjacent and there was a sketch called ladies first and like it was like about being like selfish and always wanting to go first and like this one girl like was like ladies first and she would like cut in line all the time and like somehow she and her classmates ended up on like an island full of cannibals and she was like ladies first and they ate her <laughs> Hell yeah! and like this has really formed this is one of my like childhood forming moments ladies first it was like about Ooh, the risks of of like feminism going too far basically no no because it was very feminist i think it was about okay. the risks of being selfish Okay. And okay. being like, I go first, like not being part of a collective. Okay. Because it sounds yeah. a little bit like, I get the point, but what, we can't hug anyone anymore at work? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was also like, sec- probably like, it was like late second wave feminism because it was probably like late 70s, early 80s. Mm. So, you know, like Gloria Steinem type feminism, which is, you know, not something we are super into anymore. Wasn't she like a <laughs> FBI or CIA plant yeah. in feminism? I mean, yeah. not, it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was like women getting 
but like breaking through a glass ceiling like that kind of shit right so right. i guess it was like lady i don't know i have i'll have to i'll listen to it again and i'll do a report, report on back it in the next <laughs> episode that we do but um but yeah it was like one of those weird like kate forming things that like i thought about that and cannibalism from like a, a young young person <laughs> you have that excuse i'm just a pervert so <laughs> yeah yeah, but I've listened to the podcast. <laughs> I want to say, I know that pervert is like a big thing on this podcast. Yeah. I want to say, I'm really proud to be the first normal person on this what? podcast. Nothing weird, straight down the middle. Damn I'm trying it. to represent <laughs> the normal community very hard. <laughs> feel very attacked every time I listen with all this pervert talk. <laughs> you're so, so you're doing the like, we're, I'm so trad, but it's a fetish sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, pervert. See, we yeah. need to get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yes. Well, let's talk about Flux Gourmet. Yeah. Um, the thing I always like knowing is like when guests pick a movie or a whatever for us to do, since we don't just do movies, like why this, you know, what intrigues you so much about this? Why did you want to come on to talk about this? Yeah. Well, I'm very honored to be here uh, on, I, w I will also say of all the cannibalism podcasts I listen to, this is my favorite. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank podcast. you. An honor. Thank an you, honor. Thank yes. You. But I love, I mean, I love the idea and I've enjoyed listening to episodes and, uh, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but depending on how well this goes, I want to also call dibs on doing Ravenous from 1998 because oh, yeah. that was my first choice. But then I realized that there's cannibalism in Flux Gourmet and I saw Flux Gourmet at the end of 20 or no, sorry, like October 2022. Just as I was really getting into horror, kind of an opening a new chapter in my life. And I loved it. I loved how specific it was to the creative process. I loved how specific it was about music and like weird music. Like, I can't believe that this is distributed by, I mean, I know it's like relatively independent, but it's still amazing to me that it is distributed by anyone but the filmmaker himself. And so I just, and, it, and, it, and I thought it was so funny realizing that it's one long fart joke as well <laughs> is like one of my favorite yes. things about it. Um, and I just, th there's just like every single detail. This is only the second watch I have, uh, watch I watched. This is the only second time I've watched it. But I think about this movie probably once a week and the flanger and <laughs> just and how getting into more into horror movies i've been confronted with the like you know on the pervert tip of the like horniness of movies like movies are it's such a horny medium and it feels weird because i have a movie podcast as well uh genre reveal party is the name mm -hmm. of it and sometimes my co-host and i like we'll talk we talked we had an episode about like erotic thrillers and i'm like saying that something's like yeah like yeah. really sexy <laughs> you know uh like glenn close in fatal attraction right i'm like she's boiling bunnies but i'm here for it you know yeah, and like yeah. but God it's forbid women do anything <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah. right yeah exactly lean in to the pot to stir <laughs> yeah the bunny. that's how you break <laughs> the 
the glass ceiling for real. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very vulnerable to be like, this was very hot to me in this yeah. movie. Because everyone can be like, really? That was hot to you? But I find this movie incredibly hot. Very like, you know, and 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 I realize as a like sort of a, a he, him, straight guy, that's like my my gaze is a little, little different than other people's. But it feels like it has something to offer across all gender and sexuality sort of spectrums and Mm -hmm. really so i was just really stoked on this movie and just wanted to talk about it with other people who would be down to go super deep on the details and you know i know that that's you guys hell yeah 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 this movie is is yeah it's extremely exciting i think because it's so odd and it veers from like absolutely disgusting gross out moments to really sexy moments and like back and forth um i was thinking about um a long time ago jay and i did uh an episode of the cook the thief his wife and her lover for library punk and there was an article that we read about that alimentary canal Every time they said elementary in this movie, I was like, you thought about that. Pointing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's by uh, Tim White. It's called Traversing the Elementary Canal. And, um, you know, like in in a body that works, quote unquote, um, the elementary canal connects the mouth to the anus. And is it's like a, a one direction situation. Mm-hmm. But. In this movie, also like The Cook, The Thief, um, it go it veers off in a million different ways and reverses direction. And there's a lot of um, like, un- you know, it's like this movie is about also about like an extremely unruly body, which like, you know, thank you for some autoimmune disorder representation. But uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, it's a movie about like food and eating and thinking about food and like people thinking that food is beautiful but also disgusting and like food that can hurt you food that can kill you you know there's so many different um ways to go with this movie which i love but also about sound just like and and he Peter Strickland, the director, talks about sound so much in his movies, Uh like even before this. And he was before we started recording. Kate, you mentioned that like he was basically in a Sonic catering band. Yeah, called the Sonic Catering Collective, I think. Oh, really? Amazing. Yeah. 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 So they'd mic up themselves cooking and like, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I my my reference for this sort of experimental music is like kind of all over the place. I think of it as like throbbing gristly a little bit, yeah. I guess. It's also kind of like Diamanda Galassi, like the like performance mm. art aspect of the music. Yes. Like I got a lot totally. of Diamanda vibes from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, I love a film like, you know, because when you're in the world of film, people are talking about the visuals so much. And like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's differentiating it from a book or whatever. But like, to treat a film as a soundscape, you know? And I, I listened to an interview with him where he talked about texture and it's like, he's so invested in the texture and there's just so much about, you know, I, to the point where I, I risk feeling very sincere in like talking about 
my reads on like life and the creative process because they're like very laid plain in this, you know, and and very like upfront and obvious. But it's just so fun to just like the fact that 25% of the movie is just Stones, the Greek journalist dossierge guy (laughs) interviewing them about like they're just interviews about creative process. I'm like, that rules. That's such a good uh, trope that they get to play with throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. um, I thought it was very funny. Peter Strickland in an interview said that this movie is kind of like his spinal tap. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I but, can see that. And then also, he said two two movies that are hilarious: Spinal Tap and Solo. Yeah, <laughs> like, to your just, day, like, you know, amazing. I mean, I watched this with my boyfriend. So yeah, and like the um, there's you know, it's broken up into three weeks, um, which are basically like mouth, stomach, bowel, and like the third mm. section, same as Solo, is like you know the ring of shit. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously this is treated in a completely different way, but um, but the way that he paces the movie, I think, as it's like going through the body is really cool. Um, and then like Dave, you were saying about like the textures of the sound, like he also talks about how like that's like cooking, you know, that like cutting up and splicing and putting yeah. back together and stuff yeah. like that is the same as food as making food mm-hmm. yeah i was i mean we can go more into this later if we want but like the the way that sound and noise were like related to food and this was like so cool um like like not just them oh yeah let's plug our you know our beep boops into a <laughs> cucumber or whatever and like see what cool noise it makes but like you know, a, a big thing in this film is like our our main dude Stones is having some gastrointestinal tummy issues. He can't he like is farting too much, and it's like that is just a noise that for whatever reason human beings have deemed uh, offensive, and it's just mm. a noise that we have placed label on. And music is just noise that we have given some kind of aesthetic judgment too as well like this group they aren't playing music they're making noise but they're a band right so it's like noise and like the way that we treat and give like weight and meaning to certain things like the the scene where she's smearing shit all over herself and then you find Mm -hmm. out it's chocolate but like the way that they frame that so sexually and like have the like narration of her going like and then whatever came out of my body was a communion and i was like you know what this isn't my thing but uh, i see where (laughs) you're coming from there (laughs) like where it's like why did we decide that was bad you know like this movie made me think a lot about like putting value judgments on like that the difference between noise and music can be just we like deem it so the like what can be offensive in a body and what can be good in a body is completely arbitrary. That's such a yeah. cool point. The difference between fart as noise and music as noise. Also the idea of a sonic caterer and it, the, the, the relationship of this movie to our world is very vague. And like, <laughs> I don't think it's in the same universe because well, unless she's BSing, Elle in her interviews is talking about one of the reasons she became a sonic caterer 
was because she would watch Sonic Caterers <laughs> on TV all the time and yes. never thought she could be something that everyone else wanted to be so bad as if it's like a rock star or a YouTube star. So it's just like everyone wants to be a Sonic caterer, but it's also in this Institute. It, it's, it, it has this very like high culture stuff around it. it, it yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's um. I wanted to talk about that. Cause this movie came out at the same, uh, the same year as crimes of the future, the Cronenberg mm-hmm. movie. And in the same way that this movie makes it seem like Sonic caters are rock stars, Crimes of the Future makes it seem like performance artists are rock stars. And there's a lot of crossover, you know, that like everybody wants to be a performance artist in Crimes of the Future. Everyone wants to be a Sonic caterer in this movie. And um, Peter Strickland's done this before in um, Duke of Burgundy. It's a world that has no men, no cars. Everyone's in like a um, sapphic DS relationship and they don't have jobs. I mean, it's great. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, it sounds cool. I'll take it. <laughs> but, but you know, it's like it's fantasy, but it's not like how we think of like high fantasy. Like it's this it's this world that he built, I think, to like make a point and like, you know, create this space for artists to be able to talk about what they do, which is really cool. Yeah. And and that's, I guess my question for you all as, because I'm also fascinated about this podcast's relationship to cannibalism (laughs) because I really appreciate. And Kate, we talked about this a little bit when you were on my podcast, the fact that, you guys are like staring straight at the thing. You're not like, we're not, this isn't a side, but you know, we're excited by this and it's fucked up that we're excited by this and that's okay. And that is very like compelling to me, but that also it is a metaphor, obviously, because you're both vegetarians and like, you know, just like, of course it's a metaphor. And so I guess the metaphorical qualities of this movie, like I kind of, I kind of like listed out, I'm like, is this cannibalism? Is this cannibalism? Like things that the movie is like answer considering. Is yes. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. Like yeah. that the movie is like maybe proffering as possible cannibalisms. And I'm curious your thoughts on those things, but we don't have to, I mean, whenever. Yeah. Well, I would love to talk a little bit. And the, I think this like fits into that is like the, the stakes of being an artist who like uses your, who uses the body like particularly for L um, and then for stones, you kind of yeah. like becomes a performance artist in through this movie. Like he starts as the outsider. He starts as like the, you know, has the journalistic distance. And then he, by the end of it is like in the collective basically. Um, so like L throughout uses her body um, in various different ways at various different like quote unquote stakes um, in her performances. And one of the big pitfalls in like the second performance that she does is that she fakes using shit that comes from stones. And it's actually just like chocolate mousse. Um, meanwhile, stones is not faking anything like they're using stones body throughout 
once they just once they realize that like this is an interesting sort of like angle they you know start sort of using stones um and like kind of exploit his body until the end where he is like okay i'm part of this like and he eats l well right maybe Consu- maybe probably, so like yeah we we're not sure i mean the end is where is definitely um deliberately confusing but so like i i'd love to talk about that just like the l is like su- supposed to be like the leader even though it's a collective and like how do we feel about like when artists are using their body and performance like authenticity and like like is it a cardinal sin to use chocolate mousse instead of shit if like that was what you wanted the audience to think i mean my instinct is no but what do you think it depends i think it depends um because i know there's at one point where when they're talking about the the i always forget the name but the mime terrorists um, that keep fucking with the collective. Oh, the, the mangrove. Man- yes, yeah. the mangrove snacks. <laughs> like little, yeah, the yeah, mangrove snacks. Mi- they look like, my, like, like French mines or something. Um, <laughs> the but mime like one- terrorists. I don't know. One uh, one thing that like Gwendolyn Christie, uh, her character says about them is that like, or, or someone says about them that like, they don't even do transgression well. Yeah. Or something. Mm-hmm. And so, like, to me, it's like a lot of that second performance with the shit was the thing about it was the transgression. It's not, look at me, I am, you know, this this substance that comes out of another being that is usually seen as, like, foul and stuff, and I'm rubbing it all over, and, like, this, like, slow of, like, dipping my long fingernails into it and everything. And I was like, Kate's gonna want to talk about the abject with this scene. Yeah. Like, well, I already <laughs> knew it wasn't shit, so I kept going, it's not shit, Kate. It's not shit. You know it's not. <laughs> it's not shit. But, it doesn't um, even look that much like shit. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. It's very whipped. I mean, it is, it looks <laughs> like I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> It looks like chocolate, yeah. but still, but yeah, so go, uh, sorry, go on about, yeah, like. So it's like, it seemed, like the point of that, yeah, <laughs> like the point of that performance, like I said, like the narration of it is talking about like this erotic experience, mm-hmm. like this erotic scatological experience of like a woman, like using a man, like as a toilet, right? Like very, this is a Bataille r.i.p king you would have loved this movie um <laughs> there's even like egg fucking in it. it it's great but like that's not what her performance is about she's like rubbing it on her but then like it's about the transgression it's about oh my god mm-hmm. she's shit mm-hmm. and then that's the thing that's bad about her not using shit is she's not even transgressing well right right yeah well so and like, l is a bad performance just- artist yeah. Right. Elle is just the ideas guy. Her whole like everyone right. said like all She's she does guy. is is like think of mm-hmm. y- you know, she even had like less sort of salacious ideas before, but now her whole thing is just getting written about doing things that provoke people. Yeah. The dying pig thing was so gauche. You know, I was like, <laughs> Yeah, Honey. it's like we've done this. But yeah, Who's- like so I was thinking, so one of the um, the art movements that, like, is definitely referenced in, in this is Viennese actionism, um, which is, like, a very short-lived um, performance, 
based like art movement from the 60s um and like one of the reasons why it was short-lived is because all the artists just got arrested all the time because they would <laughs> they That's they art. would really do it the stakes were fucking high like they would stand in front of you know like a political politically important building and actually smear shit all over themselves and you know set flags on fire and do all sorts of stuff and so they were constantly getting arrested and um it made me it just made me think about yeah like the difference between being an artist that is doing that and being an artist that is like somewhat you know that's fairly accepted into like the academy and that like if this is a residency for um you know successful sonic caterers <laughs> how transgressive are you really right mm-hmm. they're not the diy sonic caterers no no they're not the real punks no and they're like the that's the thing. yeah but, and yeah. that's the thing that artists have to contend with all the time you know like um do you like water down your work to appease the Gwendolyn Christie's? You know, who, Jan who? Stevens. Jan- she does oh, not great. Jan Stevens. She does. So. Jan Stevens. Oh, Jan <laughs> Stevens. That was such a good um, little comic moment. Every time she arrived, Jan Stevens. That shit's so good because it's like there's no <laughs> other form other than movies where just repeating someone's name can be a bit like that like you don't really get that on you know in stand-up or any but just to have like anytime this character enters you say their name is so <laughs> funny yeah I yeah and like her outfit so her um the costuming is uh Gilles Deacon who is mm-hmm. her husband um who's and he's a fashion designer so at least her outfits. I don't know about other people's, but like I loved that her outfits got more and more ridiculous like as the weeks went on. Like that's mm-hmm. also just such a great bit, you know, if you're like, "Oh, I can't wait to see what she's wearing next." And it's like, <laughs> "What is that hat?" <laughs> her the bullshit she wears to bed. Yes. Yeah, the like pants bonnet. So yes. good. I had no idea what was going on there, but I loved every second of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I thought of in terms of because I also kind of like circled that moment where Stones is it's his colonoscopy mm-hmm. that he's like Great to scene. share something so, so intimate. It, like he felt like he had lost something. He was like s- sacrificing something yeah. so personal for art. And I guess my question is, Kate, to add to your definition of like what counts as sacrifice, like not just your body. But do do our ideas about authenticity here extend to all even autobiographical art? Um, And and I think because I think they do at least like not that they should not that there should be a specific definition of authenticity, but especially in light of like Hassan Minaj controversy recent recently, (laughs) like are the you know you know from both sides people being like these stories are just jokes. You can say anything. And people being like, but his whole point was that they really happened to him. So you can't, you know, and like the truth being always murkier. Um, I, and I do think there is a risk when you're autobiographical of like, 
I mean, I guess always, but like running out of things to say or like it, whatever people think about the art is what they think about you as a person. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it would be funny if I, I don't know if it would actually be funny, but like if I wasn't actually diabetic, (laughs) I just made art about being diabetic. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's like that would be it. fucked up. I would like it as would be a, fucked up as a diabetic. I would be like, at, at the very stolen least, valor. Yeah, stolen valor. Yes, <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck? Huh? It's just yeah, weird. Like, yeah, if yeah. I had like Baron Munchausen, uh, Baron Munchausen, whatever. Yeah, that's um, a good movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. Great movie. It's too bad that that guy's kind of a dick now, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but actually, that like. So that leads me into another artist that like this reminded me of uh, just a tiny bit, only in terms of like mythology building. Um, you know, Elle's clearly Elle is building a mythology about herself. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like some of the stories she tells according to what's the other character lamina. The other fem- lamina yeah are not so quite odd. real cells that bind things together yes like oh. the whole thing about the teacher going to anaphylactic shock that um l was the one who laughed at her you know which is really mm-hmm. fucked up um and like actually as an artist something that you probably could own and like people would be okay with it but um so I was thinking your about, child, you laugh at lots of fucked up shit. Yeah. I was thinking about um Joseph Boyce, who uh was a like extremely well known, important um artist in like the mid century. And one of his like mythologies that he is known for is he was in a like near fatal plane crash in I think World War II. Um, yeah, he was shot down and he claims that he was saved by Tartar tribesmen and they like wrapped him in layers of like fat and felt to keep him alive. And like he did almost die in a plane crash, but the saving part never happened. And yet like he's used like fat and felt and like being wrapped in things as like, um, part of his work for years i mean he's not alive anymore but he did um so that was this huge mythology that he built around himself and part of me is like you could get away with shit like that before the internet and twitter you know is that how he did it like did did no one ever confront him not really like i think people realized later that like this wasn't real and i think there were like times that people questioned it and there were like some other things about his life that like he said happened that didn't happen. And um, I don't know if he thought about it as a lie so much as like building like the person that he wanted to be to make the art that he wanted to make, That's which is interesting. I don't know. Is it? Is that interesting? I think authenticity is kind of overrated. Yeah. And I think it's like audiences projecting their own sense of who they think this person should be onto someone they don't know. 
Um, and so when that idea of a person is ripped away from them, like one of my favorite poets is this uh, gay poet, Richard Sykin. Um, he's the one that if you've ever read not a fanfic a on AO3, not a cannibal, <laughs> he has said so. But if you've yeah. read a fanfic, yeah, all the fanfic titles are from his poems. Um, and some of his stuff like is kind of autobiographical, but like when people like talk to him and like use his poetry as a way of like, Oh, so you felt this way about this thing, right? Like this happened to you. And he's like, it's a poem. I'm a poet. It's my job to, to write things. Like, so this idea of like, I, I don't know, I'm very like, I'm trans, so I'm self-made. So like, yeah, yeah. I'm very like, I watched Talented Mr. Ripley and I'm like, he, little twink Matt Damon did nothing wrong. Um, like, <laughs> you know, self-made, lie about shit, like. It, killed a lot know, of people but just, you know just, the other stuff What? A, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like <laughs> in art, it's like, that's part of the art then is like this like lie you build about yourself to make the art you want and for it to be in the context you want it to be in. I don't know, especially with the internet, people are just so fucking entitled and just like want to be mad at everything and want to like, this is actually something if we ever get to do that opera episode, Kate, that I want to talk about fans want to cannibalize the, the artists that they care about and they don't actually like them. They just want them to be whatever they want them to be or else they will rip them apart. They are there to be consumed in exactly the way you they want like fans want you to be. I mean, that's a thing to talk about in terms of cannibalism and art. Yeah, is that mm-hmm. like um Do you think that's true for you, Jay, as a fan? Or do you think there's different types of fans? And like, cause I don't feel like that type of fan, but am I deluding myself in thinking <laughs> that? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I mean, how many times have like has like a, a celebrity or something you like like been revealed to be a piece of shit and you feel kind of hurt and betrayed about it? Yeah, and then the thing there is like taking the piss out of the whole idea of celebrity and like setting your expectations differently. But then if you're doing that with all art, is that keeping from fully engaging with it in a way not that i think we should like reinvest in celebrity but if i'm like taking if i'm you know putting too far of a distance between myself and a song or a movie or a painting or whatever because i'm afraid that something i learn about it will change it then i'm not like fully giving myself to it in the first place I think earnestness and authenticity are two different things. Yes, 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 yes. Ooh, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Because we all know that authenticity is overrated. But at this point, it's like, I, I, but that's you care. such a, well, it's such a common refrain that, yeah. that I'm starting to distrust hearing the phrase authenticity is overrated. Cause I'm like, what is that like communicate? What are people trying to communicate when they say that? And it's like, yeah, obviously, like we're performing ourselves we're like creating ourselves and that shit is awesome and that like you know whatever bob dylan at the newport folk festival or whatever like doesn't need to be uh it can go electric and that that's not what makes bob (laughs) dylan bob dylan but like yeah there's still something there about like identity and i think one thing this movie doesn't address as much it like it really feels apolitical or like attempting Mm. to be apolitical in a way Mm. that like maybe it taps into that part of me that like in high school was very like politics aren't my thing whatever i just care about the creative process but like 
the things we do care about now in terms of authenticity are when someone attempts to speak for an entire group of people. Yeah. Like, right. you know, identity. And I think that the fact that Elle is building her individual myth almost keeps her safer in a way. I mean, I guess she's speaking for women in some ways, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's the interesting thing of like Stones literally like bears himself inside and out on the stage. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting that he does. And she makes this thing up about herself. And I also think there's something interesting about the way that she does that. She's just bad at it uh, in a way that mm-hmm. like, like, I don't know, like when Stones does it, it's so there's this vulnerability to it, but that isn't, um, it doesn't feel cheap, the vulnerability. Yeah. Like, that's not the point of it. I don't know. It's like, you can see him have this like third eye, no pun intended, like opening experience as he's like laying on that table, like staring off like Kubrick staring into the middle distance as he's like monologuing. But like, yeah, I don't know. There's just like something about like, eh, my train of thought went away. Is but, Well, but is that not a form yeah. of authenticity that we're like, oh, well, yeah. we know Stones is really going through this. I he's, think it is, yeah. He's performing yeah. reluctance, so that makes yeah. us feel more like it's like realer or something, you know? It's like yeah. one of the reasons I don't like Taylor Swift is all of her shit. I know who she's talking about. Whereas I can like, I mean, I can listen to rumors and I know those people were all sucking and fucking each other and like <laughs> cheating on each other. But like, it doesn't feel like I'm a voyeur, um, which voyeurism's hot and cool. But like with Taylor Swift, it's like, or like the Ariana Grande song, Seven Rings. It's like, why do I care about the celebrity drama of like rich people I don't know about? You know, so it's like that kind of like I'm being vulnerable by writing about my breakup, even though I'm a billionaire. Like, because we also don't know what those really. Yeah, I mean, are those relationships like arranged for the sake of like our voyeurism? Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift would definitely be better if she were a sonic caterer for sure. Yeah, she should be a sonic caterer. She should. I mean, I think that there is like I was going to talk about this, too, and I would love to hear what y'all think about it um you know as various artists there is something to be said for digging in to some art that like could be perceived as like cringe um and like maybe talk about like what that means like especially for performance artists it's a tough road because we i think that like Art that is deeply embodied makes people really uncomfortable mm-hmm. anyway. Um, it's not super saleable. Um, and there is like this perception that everyone is kind of faking it in a way. Like everyone is sort of like performing, which is what performance art is. But yeah, it's like uh, if you do work in art school with like menstrual blood or something like that like oh my god it's so cringe it's all been done before but whatever but like if you're using oil paint of course that's been done a million times before but that is somehow uh like legitimized Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like what does that mean about yeah like what we misogyny (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess it's some misogyny for sure. Menstrual blood needs to be its own section of the Blick art supplies. <laughs> it's a very unstable substance. <laughs> right, the viscosity really lumpy. changes. It really does. You've got heavy um, flow tubes, light flow tubes. Yeah. Well, it's like one of those things that's really funny. And like, I know as someone who's done a lot of like embodied work that like blood, um, like real blood changes color and it becomes brown. And mm-hmm. like, if you're using fake blood, you get, you know, it's like, um, it's like sugar and food coloring or like chocolate syrup or something like that. And like, um, yeah, what is the difference between covering yourself in actual pig's blood and covering yourself in chocolate syrup if like the intention is i don't know that you want to go into some like diamanda galas kind of like ritualistic place yeah i mean i think it, it to me it has to do with the 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 like world that the artist is trying to like whip a, an audience into and like mm-hmm. y- y- I I can see a I can imagine a really transgressive performance where the transgression is not in the materials at all and I yeah. think that's what we react to a little bit with like oh more menstrual blood whatever is that like <laughs> is that like there's a way that that's like really hiding vulnerability you know oh yeah that's interesting um, and so like a so shortcut. Right, 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 yeah, right. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so, yeah, like, that's interesting. Right, so, like, because it's also complicated by the fact that this is all, like, so theoretical. And if you, you're the kind of person who goes to a museum who doesn't read the cards, or you, like, don't read the program at the play, and you're just watching, like, you have no idea whether it's shit or chocolate mousse or blood or chocolate syrup. And so that then becomes this weird thing. And like, especially performance in front of an audience of people who all have read different amounts of the program and all have different perspectives on what is going on. I mean, all I'm saying is that like performing in front of an audience is cool, basically. But yeah, I mean, you're someone who's done that a lot. So like, yeah, what do you feel? How do you feel about like... Well, with regards to vulnerability, my sort of like one of the ways in which like, you know, we all think we're like underrated, of course, but like uh, the the way in which I like one of the sort of unhelpful stories I tell myself along those lines is like, you know, I'm not like doing like Tim and Eric style stuff on stage, mm-hmm. you know, but like there's certain types of okay, 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 okay. Crowd work is a th- is a thing that I'm like working on in the current one man show that I'm doing, okay. and is a thing that's like very visible online. Everyone yeah. knows what stand up crowd work is about, right? And like, I hate it. I I think nine like literally ninety nine percent of it is horrible. And the reason I don't like it is because. On some level, I understand when it's used as a transition because this is, you know, stand up is supposed to be, it's supposed to look like one half of a conversation where you're somehow convincing the person that you're talking to that they don't need to say anything and they don't even realize it. So to ask questions occasionally, okay, sure, I get it. But like people use it so without even realizing it, like really cynically, where it's like, it's so, um, 
socially and politically retrograde where any male appearing person and female appearing person who sit next to each other must be dating. And Mm -hmm. if they aren't, then the male appearing person must want to fuck the female appearing person. The word friend zone might be used. And it's just such a like, this so uninteresting. It's like, this is not a human interaction We're we like fucking an AI could have written this interaction, you know? And so like you have all these different people who've read different amounts of the program, you know, metaphorically. And the thing you want to ask them about is like what they do for a living and not because you want to ask if it relates to their dreams as a child or their competitive nature with other people at their job. You want to ask them so you can rattle off the one thing you know about that job and like make fun of it. And so that just like, I I find that very frustrating. And the, the sort of like bear on my back is like, Oh, when I'm doing crowd work, I'm trying to ask questions that I actually don't know the answers to. And like, something in me like needs to know what these people think. Um, you know, in, in my show, there's like a, does anyone have any complaints about their body question? And I'm just like, there's not like a, an end point that I'm moving that to. I'm like genuinely just curious. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know the, the, the idea of authenticity is, yeah, it's complicated. And, and there's so many, I think it really is in the eye of the beholder because someone could watch my show and be like, oh, Dave's like doing this like nodding guy thing and like pretending to be really open and like by not doing, he's not being rigorous and like telling jokes with his crowd work, but he thinks he's better than that because it's open-ended. And it's just like, it depends on the person viewing, Yes. I think most crowd work is masturbatory to make the comedian like to show off how clever they are and not actually build connection with their audience. Oh, exactly. Totally. It like yeah. distances yeah. connection. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you like it if uh, your audience paid tribute to you in the form of a Bacchanalian orgy instead? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> dude. Fuck, fuck the five star reviews on Apple podcasts. Come let's suck each other, you know? I forgot what the tribute, like when um, Jan Stevens is like, your audience is here to pay tribute to you. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? Oh, right. I forgot that part. <laughs> yeah. And see, when I was watching that, um, and I, I know this was like a, a like a, a comedy satire-ish, like kind of like poking fun at, but to me, it's like, oh, of course, a psychedelic orgy scene. Wow. I've not seen that anywhere else. Like that's one reason I didn't like Infinity Pool uh, is because I thought it was using that kind of like psychedelic orgiastic kind of thing kind of lazily. Um, uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's what this movie is doing is it's using the psychedelic orgiastic thing as like a shocking thing with no actual weight behind it. But it's right. kind of nice like, oh, because very Stones is yeah. like, yeah, is like turned off by yeah. it. Stones is like, this is disgusting. I am holding in farts the whole time I'm watching yeah. this. Yeah, and he's sitting and taking notes <laughs> like a good journalist, yeah. like a lawyer. And he's, he's like, in the cuck chair. Yeah, he is absolutely in the cuck chair. And I can't believe that once they invited him to do the second, like the second performance, the one that he was in, that he didn't get paid tribute to as well. Or maybe mm. he turned them down. Because he said he wanted to feel so light that he could just fuck like that on the floor and not 
have to hold his farts in, you know? Right, because he's so, constantly yeah. feeling, um, like, tethered to his illness, which, you know, something that I, mean, I think most people who have autoimmune or any kind of disease, honestly, like, you feel tethered to your illness and there aren't very many times that you're like, I'm not thinking about this at all. I'm just thinking about all of these people, like, licking my nipples. <laughs> A lot of nipples. It's a very nipple heavy it's orgy. It's a nipple, nipple, very yeah. Nipple. It's a very nipple cent- centric uh, movie, really. There's yeah. a lot of nipple tweaking. Nipples, <laughs> yeah. Nipples and fingers. Nipples and finger sniffing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the way she just whips out her two fingers cracked me up every single time. It was so funny. Um, I was going to ask, what was, I was going to ask something about stones. Oh, I thought okay, so this they talk about this a couple times. So there's the the thing about um, L's teacher going into shock for meeting nuts, and then there's also Stones realizing he has celiac, and the idea that something that one person finds extremely delicious and um, wonderful is a thing that could kill. Or hurt another person. And like not to put you on the spot, Dave, because I was like, oh, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like, do you did you feel did you get like a little twinge? That's there? so wild. I didn't think about it diabetically. Yeah. I just Oh, interesting. Yeah. I you know, because part of my brain is still on that type one tip of like, oh, I can eat anything, like duh. The, yeah. the, you know, it's like annoyed with like lazy, like. Right, like you ate a donut and got diabetes. Same as cake, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I did think it was interesting that he that stones mirrored that uh, thing with stomachs. He was like, "Why is one? Why can one stomach be untroubled, and yet I'm Mm -hmm. in such agony?" Yeah, yeah. What I related to was the fact that it gave him bad breath, um, and that he has like acid reflux and like really bad breath because I um. I get dry mouth really bad because of some meds that I'm on. Um, and I also like had like a really bad car wreck in grad school that fucked my nose up. And so it's hard for me to sleep with my, my mouth closed. And so oh. I use like dry, like mouthwash mint for dry mouth because it actually is causing my gums to recede. Um, and so I was like, represent King you with your acid <laughs> reflux, yeah. making your breath smell bad and fucking up your mouth. Like, you know, game game respects game. I was like, yeah, that's like a real ass thing that like they make special gums and mouthwashes for. Um, they because make a otherwise, mint. there's a mint mm-hmm. that gets um, aggressively marketed to me on Instagram because yeah. I think it's also supposed to be like fun for blowjobs. Yeah, <laughs> but there's it's a mint. I mean, I'm always getting the blowjob mint ads on Instagram. There's a mint that like makes you salivate like crazy. Oh yeah, and it's supposed to be for cotton mouth and also other things that Wait. make your boyfriend go wild. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think that there's this movie has like some representation that like not to be too serious about it because i know it's also like sort of funny but like there is a dignity it is funny. Stones <laughs> that they, yes. like, they give like stones yeah. it's like you feel for him because like 
he quite literally has to distance him like he's distanced as a journalist but he's also distanced as someone who like doesn't want everyone to hear him fart and like he's in this extremely like tight quarters residency with all these other people and like kind of can't ever feel like he's let go until the end maybe potentially um for me the moment on this watch that was so like tender is when he's i think it's before his actual like because he has that one time when he's going to do the colonoscopy and he backs Mm -hmm. out of it and then there's the night before he actually does the colonoscopy and he's in the bathroom and l is on the other side and they have this kind of like sweet conversation where he's just like i'm afraid and like is it okay to be afraid and she's way more tender than she is at any other point in the movie. Yeah. And it's just like really sweet and is like, yeah, it's okay. And, and is like, and she actually does like, there's that moment at the table where Dr. Glock, who we haven't talked about at all. Oh my God. Brings up is like his flatulence and Elle's like, Oh, who's flatulent, but she's not shaming him. She's just like asking a question. And weirdly, yeah. I think that is L be like one of her more, um, like healthy is the wrong word, but like really kind of beautiful ways of being transgressive is like allowing stones to talk about that stuff and to like not be weirded out by it. Yeah. Especially since the, the door of the bathroom is of that like kind of like textured frosted glass you'll mm-hmm. see on shower doors. Yeah, it's so like it's not a, a wooden door. door or something. It's too, like a see-through yeah. door. You can like right. see his like silhouette kind of through it. And there's like mm-hmm. this beautiful like because always at night when they're having these conversations. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this like kind of like blue soft lighting coming from the bathroom and then like her sort of shadow in front of it. And it's just like really intimate. Um yeah, even though she doesn't fart, uh supposedly. <laughs> ever. Yeah, never Clubs, farted. You know, ever. ever. Which made me feel like, oh, she's on her high fucking horse. Like, oh, if you take clothes, you know, it'll help. But like, maybe I was being cynical about like about her. Like, to be like, oh, Miss Never fucking farts over here. Okay. Like, <laughs> well, who knows? Like, maybe that's the thing she says to Lamina, but not. Who knows what what she believes whenever she says yeah. things? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And do we want to talk about Doctor Glock? Ooh, Doctor Glock, man, this guy's funny <laughs> as hell, dude. I love Doctor Glock. Yeah. yeah, he's an in fabric too. He like he looks like a skeleton, yeah, like a terrible, terrifying skeleton man. He looks like Willem Dafoe in Poor Things. <laughs> like oh, I haven't seen Poor York Things Coast yet. Movie. I can't wait. I haven't yet, but like in all the yeah. promotion, I'm like, oh, he looks like the way that yeah. Franken Doctor Frankenstein, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> it's like when you can see someone's like skull shape too well, it makes me really nervous his hairline is so weird too because he has a widow's peak but but it's not there's no hair there it's like his hair doesn't start until like three inches up from the widow's peak so there's just this untanned like white area on the front of his forehead that it's like does is this guy wearing a wig or i can't tell it's so upsetting and he's so judgmental and all of his like Ever, the idea that you have to like he's like shaming stones for being like a writer who's never read hippocrates as if like when you're a writer one of the great writers you got to read is fucking hippocrates like get out of yeah. here bro and also yeah shaming a greek man <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Who pronounces, who like actually kind of like hits back at one mm-hmm, point, like mm-hmm. pronouncing a Greek word properly. But yeah, and, and like I was thinking about him, you know, there's like two settings that he's in, like one as the doctor who's constantly drinking wine, maybe? <laughs> He's a rosé um, all day, bitch. Yeah. And then also as the patron, you know, so like th- those scenes were so funny where, um, you know, it's like there's three dinners for every three weeks um, because like these are the things the artists have to, um, you know, give the patrons in exchange for them getting time and space at the residency. And when they have the like, the beginning, the cocktail hour, and it's all them just going like, <laughs> and like swilling wine. It's so funny because it's just, it just says like indis- indistinct noises, yes. but you're like, I don't think they're saying anything. Uh-huh. They're all just like, <laughs> and, um, and then they all sit at the table and like, just like, stare down these fucking artists and are just like you know why don't you know about this reference what about this one that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that it has like the patience because weirdly it feels like it could like you could watch this movie and feel like it was really dry i mean i don't feel that way but it's like it's about such an obscure subject Mm -hmm. that it's like you'd be like what what are they doing what's what's the point but it it has the patience to like let dr glock make one of his not even that obscure greek references (laughs) and then and not just have anything happen immediately the moment where he's just looking around waiting to see if someone gets his reference or if he gets to explain it so then his next line is like you do know (laughs) right it's like so i i love this movie for that i love that it like takes its time to show that kind of douchebag yes and like the douchebag that you have to contend with as an artist all the time (laughs) Mm -hmm. in some way you know that like you are giving up a little piece of your soul to like participate in this residency because like these rich people think that they by virtue of being wealthy enough to like give you money they are as like artistic as you or they have like the same they have access to your like work yeah totally yeah <laughs> yeah Gwendolyn Christie's such a fucking psycho in this she's like yeah. I just I feel I deserve to be a part of this process too or whatever and I'm like no you don't yeah you don't deserve to be part of this process like you run this cool residency just be your money's part of the process yeah i mean that's what your job is and also like getting to run um hilarious improvs where all of your (laughs) residents are at the shops yeah supermarket sweep improvised supermarket sweep yeah did have you done a lot of improv Oh yeah, that was my like. That's how I started. Was was okay. doing improv. I mean, this the the shops is like such a funny. Like you can imagine this movie without those segments at all. Oh, um, totally. But like, the, it would be so sad. It would be so different. <laughs> and the fact that it's there, and you're like, this is such a weird thing, where these people like 
is it magical? There's that one moment where she's described, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, like Jan Stevens, who runs the residency, is describing these scenarios and the sonic caterers are acting them out, all, all mimed. But then she describes Billy choking on an avocado thing, and then he actually spits up avocado. Yes! And you're like, That was oh. awesome. You're like, maybe he held that in his mouth from the beginning. But I kind of want to believe there's something magical about this too, especially considering the ending where Elle maybe dies, maybe doesn't. And like, it just reminded me of like so many different acting classes, improv classes where it's like, walk around, everyone walk around the space, you know? And then, and it's just like, okay, lead, notice what part of your body you're leading with. Lead with your hips, you know? Walk, walk like an elephant, you know, what, what does walking like an elephant mean, you know, and you have to like suspend your disbelief of this being like the stupidest thing of all time, because you'll get somewhere if you buy into it. Uh, that's yeah, that's what that hit for me. Yeah, me too. I um. so I went, I got my MFA in um, studio art, but um, my thesis mentor also taught the um device performance like some device performance classes too um and so we got to do some like programs together with um pig iron in philly which is like a cool weird like device performance group um and i did like a project with this person where we like watched the movie Jean Dielman and like tried to recreate some of the food making scenes, but like blindfolded. And it's so silly, so deeply silly. And the product is usually so gross. And like, you know, we're like touching chicken and eggs with our hands blindfolded and like smushing bread and whatever. And it's like, it's so easy to just be like, this is stupid. You know, like, we're not getting anywhere with this. This is dumb. But you do. I think you do if you just, like, get out of your head and, like, stop thinking that you're better than that moment, you know? Like, it's definitely not about the resulting product when you do those things i mean everything's dumb if you stand outside of it like kissing is dumb you know <laughs> yeah, you're like true. what the and fuck what? we're gonna Ew. just mush our tongues together <laughs> like you know yeah it's true i mean it's like all those people lately on twitter who have been like like calling someone my love is cringe and you're like fuck off if you're in love you're like be as cringe as you want right. it's awesome right you know yeah. On, on your deathbed, people are really concerned with like how cringe they were. That's the There's, thing. You know? Yeah, it's just on your tombstone. She was so cringe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that gif, I am cringe, but I am free. Or whatever. Yes. The, the fish. I'm cringe, yeah. but I'm free. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I um with the 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 art house supermarket sweep scenes. Yeah. I felt like that was where a lot of like the class element of this film like really got Mm. to make itself known because it's like all of like the ingredients that they were looking for they weren't looking for like craft mac and cheese no they were making (laughs) a bourgeois frittata exactly right they were like looking for like really like like high-end ingredients or were making like really fancy bullshit and there was all this this like suburban like 
oh, you see this person and you don't really like her, but you have to do like the cursory nod and smile so that you're allowed to walk away and not seem like a bitch. Like, like all of that nonsense that goes along with class, like the social aspect of it is what I really loved about those scenes was seeing people like hear this feedback and then like act it out when like they are also part of the class that perpetuates that as well yeah 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 like they're learning learning the social behaviors of like the bourgeois at a supermarket yeah even though there could have been the sonic kate could have been their name like i mean that's a great name it's so much better than l and (laughs) the whatever they all sound yeah all of l sound like late 70s like Jim and the holograms that made like one seven inch and didn't do anything else. Yeah. yeah. L and the yeah gastric ulcers. You're just like, what are you doing? L. I, I love that Lamina just goes, they just keep getting worse yeah. every time. I also love that Billy's like, what about L, Lamina and Billy? <laughs> yeah. like, that's like a pretty fun Billy. name. Too. <laughs> and she's like, fuck off, Billy. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is so pure and so good and yeah. such a little pervert and I loved him and I want all the good things for him in the world. Me too. I hope he and Lamina and Stones have a lovely <laughs> non-hierarchical collective where they all get to make decisions about their art process together. <laughs> well, that was what was so interesting about when L says every collective needs a leader. That's like very fucking anti anarchist, at least if not anti communist. You know what I mean? And yeah. and, and like the, the the spaces where I'm exposed to ideas about collectives these days are never saying every collective needs a leader. And so I'm like, yeah. okay, is this movie is that the movie having? Not that it has to be one or the other, but is this the movie having good politics in that moment by like showing her as this? criticized character who's saying that or is the movie or or, is, or are they like is peter strickland even thinking that at all and just allowing her to say this and be like yeah some people think that every collective needs a leader i don't know it's just yeah this movie's relationship to collectives is is problematic in a in an interesting way yeah it's interesting because they um someone asked him in an interview like was he reproducing some of the because um he had people from his culinary collective come and work on the film Whoa. with him like sound wise um and they were like oh were you reproducing some of the issues of a collective you know that we see in the film and he was like no it was a great time we had so much fun <laughs> king yeah really and i think like he is he's he does seem like he like i know he um was like anti-brexit and stuff so he's definitely like on the left ish whatever that means right but is also like interested in kind of contradictory like he he doesn't like to be like explicitly political um, yeah, in his work, totally. which you know, whatever. And I don't need him to like, yeah. you know, pass some sort of purity test or something. It's just interesting, you know, because like the things I love about this movie are just like it's just so much immersion in like creative process and like e- even even on the surface, right? When like 
Jan Stevens at the beginning is like, you know, they're criticizing it because there was that one moment where a, a noise is weird. And Jan Stevens is like, it, you know, it's okay. Like this was the first performance. Like it's the final performance that matters. And, and in my mind, I'm just like, that just makes me think a million things. I'm like, does the final performance matter? Like, no, not at a, it shouldn't at a residency too. Yeah. Well, in general, it's like, yeah. Is our death all that matters? You know, I'm definitely a like process over product guy, but like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and what is the final performance? Is it at the residency or is it like your literal final performance? Like, I mean, for Elle. I mean, for Elle, was that her final performance? Um, Should we talk about the end? Yeah, I forgot about the end. Me too. (laughs) I remember. I I remembered him eating the, but I thought he ate his own. I I thought they cut a piece of him off, like a a liver or something, and he ate his own liver soup. Not that it was Elle being blended up into a soup. But then she's in the audience too. Yeah, Jay. Since this is your first time, what was your how? How did you feel about the final performance? Um, also, I just want to say there is a bunny running around behind Jay, and yeah. it is the cutest. It's very cute. Fan, most fantastical thing. <laughs> anyway, There's three bunnies behind me. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this movie gave me huge delicatessen vibes. Ooh, yeah, we have to watch that. Yeah, like, and not just because cannibalism or weird food or whatever, but just, like, how it's, like, a slightly not quite fantasy, but, like, a little bit left, like, a a little bit of our reality askew a little bit. Like, everything's, like, heightened in a specific stylized way. And so, like, when it finally got to, like, in cannibalism, I was like, oh, yeah, cannibalism and i was like really excited and, and like i loved how gross it was like blit like and how vulgar and crass like this wasn't this wasn't you know someone being lovingly roasted and served on a platter a la the cook the thief his wife and her lover mm-hmm. but it's like they just like have her like arms and n- nose and ears and shit in a blender and they without even putting the lid on they just like crank oh, that shit so up gross. like a vitamix yeah. Um, and it looks like, like what they make chicken nuggets out of and like they put it in a stew and like, I just rewatched Tom Popo and I'm like, you shouldn't let the broth boil. Uh, it'll clap, it'll clap, it'll clap the broth. You gotta skip, you know, skim that, like skim the scum off of it. Um, and then they like, they don't even cook it a long time. I'm like, but they're not going to develop her flavors, you know? I'm like, where I want the process cooking a long time, actually cook it. But no, it's so vulgar and crass. They literally just throw that shit in a blender you know barely put it in some boiling water and go here you go and he looks just pleased as punch he's like kind of nervous and then he like takes a bite and he's like so proud and so happy because it's something that's not going to hurt him to eat right it's all protein it's It's not going to hurt him atkins friendly Um, (laughs) atkins friendly right um and so like and then and i wanted it to like kind of in there and then when it showed Elle in the audience, I was like, hmm, like, I, 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 I kind of wish they hadn't because like, I do kind of like the open endedness of it. But it's like I wanted him to have that moment of mm. being able to like be part of this and like Elle even kind of getting her final performance, like this like culminating moment of this really vulgar display 
of cannibalism that is lovingly serving something to someone. It's like in a way that's finally not going to hurt him for like literally probably the first time in, you know, I, I, I don't know if you can develop celiac or if it's something you just kind of always have, but like certainly can develop it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so to like have L be there, um, I was like, don't cop out movie actually do cannibalism you know <laughs> um yeah because so, like, whose I, body is that if it's not l's is it a body you know is it mm. they're vegetarians is it tofu you oh, know yeah is it right. satan right like um although a billy like keeps like sausage under his bed and like sneaks it oh my god um, salami yeah yeah salami yeah. under the bed yeah which would actually be a good punk band name salami under the bed, salami <laughs> like, under the bed. <laughs> oh my god um, i just realized that when l is like criticizing billy for fucking everyone everywhere they go she talks about that salami you keep yep. under you keep in your bed and it's like she's talking about his dick but he actually does eat little salami in the bed yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, and she's like she keeps calling like she was that was very funny that she's like you're your silly willy is getting us into trouble again he always like she calls wet dreams white dreams. Yes. She says your the night, night juice. juices is so night good. Juices. So funny. Nom and night juice. <laughs> you know, okay, like... I have I have a counter, Jay, not yeah. about the cannibalism, but but a yeah. thing I'm realizing just in talking about it that maybe makes the L sighting at the end cool. It definitely sells out the cannibalism a little bit, but it might be okay. So if we take it that this is not some sort of magical realism that she literally mm. it just for the sake of interpretation, she is in the audience, but everyone on stage is cooking what appears to be human flesh and body parts into a stew that stones eats. Then that means that Whatever it is that they're eating, I guess it could technically be a person. It's probably more likely not a person. It's like the chocolate mousse version of a person. Mm -hmm. And it means everyone at the institute, at the residency, has embraced the kind of performativeness that Elle has throughout the movie and I don't know. I don't I don't know what to make of that, but I think that's an interesting possibility. Yeah, like they're all in on it. Suddenly. Right. Yeah. It also allows me to, as we, you know, follow this train of thought to briefly segue, and I promise I won't go on about it too much. Um, but the 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 weird cryptic, hey, I want to talk about Pythagoras. Uh, Pythagoras. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, the, um, the pupils of Pythagoras uh, were made to listen to his lectures behind a screen uh, so they could not see him um, so that they uh, had to focus more on what was actually being said um than anything else there was this whole cult of pythagoras they wanted to fuck triangles yeah they uh, pythagoras, triangles. yeah pythagoras is one of the reasons and vegetarians we have... right yes they were vegetarians yeah. um they develop uh, pythagoras was uh really big into like the whole like 
the harmony of the spheres nonsense and that like the concept of like certain like intervals and harmony in music and that like everything in life in matter in math and everything is a type of musical harmony Mm. right like that's a pythagorean thing at least in that way um and um in the 20th century um some french uh, theorists and musicians in the musique concrète movement got really into this idea of acousmatic sound which comes from like uh pythagorean's teachings were called like as acousmatics or whatever it's greek i don't speak greek um but it's sound where the originating source of it is not seen and so that's where like a lot of that like og like tape looping and like recording natural sounds but then running them through synthesizers and fucking with them in magnetic tapes and everything that like pre-moog nonsense um that like i felt like they were doing in this movie a lot which is like why this was like noise music i was like oh they're they're doing cool noise music bullshit like separating and like they even talk about like oh are we separating the sounds of the food yeah are are we like beyond the the what they are too much are we bringing them out of the realm of food i thought uh, that was super interesting yeah Mm -hmm. And so with the source of the the meat at the end, um, like us not being able to see the source of this meat, this like, this like mm-hmm. acousmatic meat, uh, kind of yeah. like. Also a great you know, name for a band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the acousmatic meat. Um, it's like forces you to like focus on the content of it and not where it's coming from. And maybe in a way, and but then we kind of get a peek at her. But like, even when she's like talking to him, like in the bathroom, we hear his voice, but we don't see him. She's literally behind a screen listening to him talking. Like his voice is acousmatic to her when they're having their little bathroom chat. Um, So there's a lot of like separating things out of their original source Mm. um, in this film. Um, and that forces you to like concentrate on what the thing actually is and not the content context around it and stuff i mean that goes back to yeah talking about authenticity well right you know it sounds like pythagoras would be like who cares that it's chocolate mousse like what function does it have in the performance Mm -hmm. yeah 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 like does it make the same does it make the same sounds yeah <laughs> right and like and, and like it's on because she's all the theory she's all into like you have to have an ideology and a theory and right. like all the other people in the band they just want to make noise yeah they're cathar they're into the yeah. catharsis and she hmm. thinks there needs to be a theoretical model for what they do mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i don't know so there's another thing that it made me think about and this is a very specific weird peter strickland thing that in Duke of Burgundy, um, if you watch it and like pay attention to the one of the moth lectures, if you look at the audience, like you can clearly see that there's some like mannequins in the audience and like not real. Like it's very clear. It'll be like real person, not real person, real person. So like he's obviously got a lot of thoughts about the audience to art or to public speaking or something like that and like that's what I thought about right away because I was like oh it's L, but is it L? like I know it's her you know but is it a like a 
fake out of her. Yeah, that's possible. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think the thing that I yeah, it's like I really enjoyed so much that Stones got to be part of something, and got he to clearly feel did too, and got to feel good. Like he had this, um, you know, kind of like. Uh, Joan of Arc <laughs> moment at the end, you know, where he just has like these this clear like his look. passion of Joan of Arc. Yeah, yeah. His, his passion, like he has found like his you know orgiastic moment mm-hmm. of eating this this like meat, potentially human meat soup as part of a per- performance that like doesn't hurt his body. Makes actually again. Crimes of the Future. There's so much like to tie those two movies in together, but like even surgery is art. Yeah, it's like finding yeah. that thing to eat that doesn't hurt him, that makes him feel wonderful and makes him actually get to be part of the rest of the group because he's not scared. And in the spirit of farting. tender subject where <laughs> can't where everything is cannibalism. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think maybe the most fun and kind of messy way to view it is like it, Stones's catharsis comes through doing real cannibalism that is also somehow the performance of cannibalism and is and he is part of this group and he is not part of this group and like all of these things together is is what makes this movie so rich and is what y- y- you know th- that he can have this moment of catharsis this moment of because at this point also we all distrust moments of catharsis too you know it's like what are we yeah. releasing from but it's like you know he has that moment of catharsis he has that moment of connection but also there's reasons to be suspicious of it and it's like yeah that that's what happens in moments of cath- like did you see a ghost or did you not it's like Right, you yeah. get to choose if it was, you know, something you ate or a fucking ghost that you saw. Um, yeah, doesn't matter if it gets you to the same place, you know. Right. Yeah, and what and who knows? Either the because you know the collective gets to last and they leave and they're like stones come with us, or they leave and they're just like see you later. And he has that moment and it's fleeting, you know, and that's right. okay too. Yeah. I think the other, like, we've talked a lot about, like, creative process and, like, and using your body or your story, you know, putting yourself into your art as cannibalism. The only thing that I think I also want to, like, add to make explicit Mm -hmm. is, like, journalism and especially criticism as cannibalism. Um, And then just, like, my, my question, which is, like, is eating shit cannibalism? Like, is, you know... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I figured that was you know you implied yeah, that because, was the case. Well, because I forgot about the more explicit cannibalism at the end. Mm-hmm. So that part I was like, oh, it's because of the shit eating. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and no, I was, it was like, the that flesh. Counts. Yeah. Totally. But then, but then I started thinking about the shit eating watching this, and like, I don't know, the Minutemen are one of my favorite bands, and like, D Moon yeah. was would like apparently take these big shits and like compared creativity to shits. He's just like, you're fucking just shitting it out, man. And like, and and the idea that like participating in art, making art, 
uh, hosting the residency where you criticize the flanger of the art, being in the audience of the art, recording the podcast about the movie about the art is like all cannibalism is like, that's what excites me about this movie and about this show, I think. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it excites me too because, yeah, I do think it's all cannibalism. Like we talked in our first episode, we talked about this book, uh, We're the Parasites, which is like a book about criticism and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about how critics in a in in both a bad and good way in ways that are like symbiotic and also destructive like criticism is parasitic right Um, and i think you know you can't exist you you have nothing to talk about if not for right you know people making art but then it's also problematic to be like oh to treat the critic as just a frustrated artist is so like cheap you know to be like stones finally became part of something and it was an art thing he finally got to make his art you know where it's like no he's been making it the whole time but it is complicated yeah yeah no that's a good point because i think that's something that like maybe i was veering a little too close to to like that um you know he called himself like a hack right 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 but how you much know, of that is like, like performing modesty? Right. You know? That is. Per- yeah. And I mean, that's like something a lot of like European culture does, mm. too, is performing modesty. Um, you know, maybe it's something like performing modesty for a bunch of like bourgeois Brits, you know, who mm-hmm. knows? Like, mm-hmm. but um, but that's true that it's not like, oh, he finally gets to become an artist, you know, like he he doesn't. I think he becomes he he does become something like something comes out of him and enters into him. Yeah. (laughs) But but like it's not that he was, you know, some like useless monster before because he was just a journalist. That's true. Because Lamina is really like interested in him the whole time. There's like some some sexual tension between Stones and Lamina that that I was kind of feeling. It feels like she's like, she's like asking him like why he doesn't get his work published. And mm-hmm. like, you know, when she like announces she's going to be a solo artist, um, it, it feels like she sees something in him or, or feels a kinship there of like, yeah, because what is the fart metaphorically, but like a frustrated artist, you know, is like, <laughs> You just gotta like get it out. Fart. Yeah, frustrated artist. Fart. Yo. We should just get it's and and this podcast is over. Goodbye. (laughs) Like the whole thing, not just this episode. Yeah. I mean, I used to joke like one of my friends in art school, um, who's from Russia, so she said it with like a great accent, but she'd be like, "Oh, after this, we're going to get our masters in fine farts." And it was just like, I can't, I always think about like, you know, getting my master's in fine farts. <laughs> now that makes me think of the difference between like high fart and low fart. And low fart. Yeah. yeah. What's a fine <laughs> fart? Yeah. A fine I'm sure you can say fart. that at the new school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something. And are there fart, like, is there a performance art who, Artist who is a performance fartist. There's gotta be. 
There has to be, right? Now we're just in pun territory. I gotta, I gotta go. I know. This is, it, it, I gotta. It, 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 <laughs> someone's calling. Well, yeah. Now we're now we are at low the low art side of things. <laughs> yeah, 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 we yeah, yeah. we really we really like hit the highest of highs, mm-hmm. and now yeah, now we're just. Uh, well. I mean, there's there was nowhere else to go. I mean, it's down. just so amazing that this movie is a fucking <laughs> fart joke. That it's like this guy has indigestion, and then it turns. It it really is like a Shaggy Dog story. Yeah, being told at dinner. And the punchline is like, and he has celiac disease. So he <laughs> ate an ear milkshake or something. The Aristocats. You know? I almost yeah. said the Aristocats because. Yeah. <laughs> the Aristoc. It sounded like you said the Aristocats, which is funny. Um, Another yeah. Band I mean, Peter, Peter Strickland says like a lot of this, like a lot of the movie performance was based not on the script, but so much on the actors because wow. the way he wrote it, it could have very easily turned into like an explicit fart joke. Right. The whole time. Right. And like there could have been fart there was one fart noise. There yeah. could have been so many. Yes. But um but you know he was like, I don't want this to like I wanted he wanted it to be funny, but he didn't want stones to be the butt of the joke exactly the entire yeah. time. yeah also i just gotta say as far as a tactic goes pressing your butt hard into a mattress is not gonna muffle your <laughs> no i think it would make it louder as someone who probably regular uh, several times a week wakes up their partner that way <laughs> that's not really like it doesn't work so well <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like miking it to an yeah, extent. Yeah, you yeah, know? it's like, called your contact miking. Tur- yeah. Tur- yeah, your music concreting your own farts. Music concreting your farts. Yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think that's probably a good place to end. Your sophisticated it. podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> I loved this episode. This it was is great. Really fun. Um, Dave, do you want to do some plugs? Yeah. Check out the next episode of Tender Subject I'm on where I come back to talk about <laughs> Ravenous. Um, no, yeah. Listen listen to This Is Your Afterlife, which is my podcast where I talk to people about the afterlife and death and and moments of transformation in their lives. Yeah. I was in a coma for a month. That's That's my like autobiographical pound of flesh that that I've turned a lot of my art into. So uh so it kind of comes out of the the work I've made post coma and then genre reveal party, which if you like tender subject, you know, we're talking about, we're, we're watching movies at the edges of genres and at the end of an episode, giving them like a very bespoke specific genre name. And uh, we're doing a, we're, our season right now is about heroes and villains Sweet. Uh, the the season one was family movies, um, and yeah, it's just it's really fun. A lot. It's very you know we're coming from a sort of you know lefty politically minded place. Uh, yeah, this is Dave Marr. Is is all my stuff on social media? Whatever whatever platform exists. Uh, when you're listening to this, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> where to find. <laughs> 
I will throw anything you want. Yeah, we'll in the put notes. it all yeah. on the on the notes. But I can't but I can't predict you. what will be like you know March twenty twenty four's newest social media platform. You know when that's true. Threads and Blue Sky and everything else is dead. Find me yeah, on uh, what's 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 Trump's Truth So for Truth, Truth Social. social. Hell yeah, yeah baby. that's gonna yeah. be the new one. Hell yeah, the new one that we all uh, will colonize. Truth Social. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um but yeah thank you so much for having me on this is like thank you. it's a dream it i love the show fun. it's great to talk thanks for coming on and and goodbye <laughs> oh wait I, okay? I thought that was <laughs> oh my we have no, god we'll, we don't have an end we no. still can't figure out an end to our podcast so it's just we just are like Bleh. <laughs> <laughs>